Um, today's message is about um, the Great Commission. So, and but I love the words the Great Partnership um, much better because God is partnering with us to bring His message to the world, and He hasn't left us to do it alone. And we've been really stirred, like as a team, um, the interns and the staff here at Church Unlimited, you know, just really stirred by the Great Commission and by outreach. Um, recently. And, you know, the Holy Spirit does that. He often, you know, works in all of us at the same time, you know, saying the same thing to us. It's so awesome. So we've been stirred, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that um, later, what, you know, what we've been stirred with. But um, we know the scripture well, but I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So he hasn't left us to do this alone. And, but you know, like, we read this verse and we know it, but how are we doing at inserting it practically into our everyday lives? You know, how passionate are we about this? When was the last time you spoke to an unbeliever about your faith? Challenging questions, right? So before we dive in, let's pray. So Lord, we just thank you for the gift of your word this morning. Open our hearts and minds to hear your words to us. Holy Spirit, come and move freely. You're so welcome here. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God can reveal himself to anybody at any time in any way that he wants to. You know, he can, you can have a dream or a vision or an angelic visitation, but the primary way he chooses to reveal himself is through us. And that's, that's a mystery, right? Because we are just, we are weak and we are sinful. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, you know, why does God bother with us, you know? Like, sometimes my thoughts are just all over the place and, you know, I can go a thousand directions in a day and, you know, I'm just... And just weak, and but then there's other days where I feel like spirit filled and strong, and I can you know take on anything. But that's the life of man, isn't it? We can see this in the Psalms, the ups and downs of our lives, but yet God still chooses to reveal Himself through us. 2 Corinthians 4 7 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, we are the crown of his creation, and we have the responsibility to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So like in the last, I don't know how long, maybe 30 years or so, excuse me, you know, there's been a real like um, Christian celebrity culture that's emerged, you know, and um, it's kind of funny, you know, I really, I really bought into it in my 20s, so I went um, from... um, high school in South Africa, I went straight from there and I flew to Sydney and I went to Hillsong Bible College, you know, I was like, I'm called, you know, for this great calling of worship leader and Darlene Check is going to single me out and, you know, me and the other 200 Bible students, we were all like, you know, I, I, Darlene Check looked at me today, I'm sure she did, you know, Ben Houston looked at me, you know, like just these ridiculous things, and we all thought, you know, we couldn't, you know, be what we were called to be until we had that title, you know, that title of worship leader or or great pastor or preacher or or whatever it was, and I even bought a book. I bought a book that was 
called Speeding Up Your Destiny, right? Because I thought, and I, I prayed the prayer as well. I said, God, just deal with everything you need to deal with this year. Just do it all in me. I remember praying that. So this book I had, it was um, called Speeding Up Your Destiny. It had a clock on the front, and somehow I was using the fact that Jesus' um, mum, in asking him to turn the water into wine, somehow sped up his destiny. So it was like I was going to speed up mine, right? But honestly, you know, we can never go wrong when our focus is on the Great Commission and when our eyes are not on ourselves and what we can bring but on what we can give and who we can bring into the kingdom. And there's someone who says it a lot better than me. And um, uh, I get stuck on how to say her surname, but Brooke Ligjordwood, so much easier when it was Fraser, right? Um, But she's the one who wrote What a Beautiful Name, amazing singer-songwriter, and this is um, her quote. Some of it's on the screen. If our callings are so finite and limited by the labels we want to put on them, What happens when God calls us into another season? Are our callings over? Or is it that we all ultimately in diversity and unity have one calling, which is the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and proclaiming the gospel? Is this not our calling? Are we not to yield all of our lives and all our gifting and our non-gifting, our deficiencies even, to yield them to the Spirit of God, that by His power and in His name, by the sufficiency of the atonement of the blood of Jesus, proclaim the gospel. So good, right? She says it beautifully. So who gets inspired by books or movies, like storybooks? Yes, I get so inspired. I cry. Yeah. Yeah, just so inspired. And um, not theological books, like stories, you know. I'll leave the theological books to Dan, right? Yeah. And I recently read a book, um, which I actually, I've read before, but it's uh, called Faith Like Potatoes. Has even anybody heard of that? I know Herman has. By this guy called Angus Buchan, and he's of Scottish descent, but he was born in Zambia and then a farmer in South Africa. And he uh, did this crazy thing um, he, oh, he came to know God in his 20s, and then he did this crazy thing, and he planted potatoes in the middle of a drought. Now, if you're a farmer, you know that potatoes need a lot of water because they're made up of a lot of water. And he did this thing, and long story short, there was this bumper crop, and God provided, and he set up evangelistic campaigns, and he got, like, farmers together to pray. So just amazing. Just he was so on fire for the gospel right from when he was saved and, and he's still, he's still alive. He does like devotionals and things. And his pastor called him a wild man. You know, God loves to use wild men. And women, yes. <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, he's an evangelist and he has the gifting of an evangelist. And it's not going to look like that for all of us. Most of us in the room are not going to organize an evangelistic crusade and get 500 people together to pray. That's just not how it's going to look for us, and that's okay. But that's what a a gifting of an evangelist looks like. But we all have the role of evangelism. And so Jim Donahue, um, I don't know who he is, but he was online, so he said, all the early disciples spread the gospel. You know, Jesus didn't call the 12 and then go, okay, you four have charismatic personalities. You go out and preach, and the other eight of you can do like the admin. No, he sent 
all of them out with their different personalities, giftings, you know, the quiet ones, the, the loud ones. He sent them all out. And he says, Christians don't need to be uniquely gifted to evangelize. Rather, we need to be equipped. Evangelism is not a gift given to some. It's a command given to all. Yeah. And, you know, we need to take this role seriously because hell is real, right? I know lots of churches are leaving this out of their messages because it's hard to hear, but hell is just as real as heaven. And our enemy takes his role of populating hell very seriously. So we need to take our role seriously as well. And, you know, I, I mentioned before that the, the team's been a bit stirred with outreach. And, um, you know, we're not quite ready to share what's, ha- what's happening or what we're going to do because we're still praying, like, how can God use um, both this building and what we can do to go out and, and take the gospel out, maybe with food or something like that, um, But, you know, I want you to start praying as well, church. Like, could you commit one night a month to come and help with outreach? You know, could you do something with your life group or a couple of people, your prayer buddies, you know? Could you come? Just start thinking and praying so that, you know, when we are ready to do what we're going to do, you know, there is an army ready with us. Yeah. Because when we do our part, God is so eager to do his part. You know, we don't have to twist God's arm to work with us or beg him to help. He's already with us, partnering with us, doing more than we can imagine. You know, he doesn't say to us, if you have faith as big as a mountain, you can move the little mustard seed. No, he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move the mountain. Because you see, he can take the little things that we do and do big things with them. And our job is just to share the seed, and God's job is to make it grow. You know, and if the person chooses to reject the seed, you've still done your part. Uh, Tassie and I invited our landlord to um, New Zealand and beyond, and he told us in no uncertain terms to never talk to him about religion ever again. So we said, okay, but we still pray for him, you know, you can't stop us doing that. We pray for him, and um, there's other ways to minister to people, you know. And we are great tenants. And like sometimes he brings us chickens and <laughs> bunches of bananas. Who's had the $8 Costco chickens? Yeah, yeah. So he brings us these $8 Costco chickens. It's great. But 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Some plant, some water, but it is God who makes the seed grow. You see, it's that word seed again. It's something little, something little to start with. And it's about taking these little steps in our everyday life. You know, so we're all busy, right? Whether it's with children or full-time work or, you know, family commitments. But in between the going about our day, the normal mundane things, we can still be about God's business. Romans 12.1 in the message version says, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Yield your life to Him, and He can use it. And maybe you're thinking, well, I've really bombed out with evangelism in the past. I can relate. Sometimes it's super awkward and things. But, you know, just to give you a a chuckle this morning, I just thought I'd play this video. This guy's called Jim, and we can commiserate with Jim.
Morning, Jim. Robert. Hey. Hi, Jim. Free kiss. be like that right which um yeah there's better ways to do it i hope no one's ever had that experience but um so we're going to talk through some keys to sharing your faith this morning so we don't have a gym situation so the first key is identify your mission field you know we're not all called like i said before to go overseas or to organize a big crusade or to you know organize these massive things, and that's not what we have to do. You know, you can just bloom where you're planted. Just take your ordinary life where you go in your everyday life, and God can use that. And I think it's important also to ask the Holy Spirit, what is my mission field in this season? Because if you have the goal of every single place that I go, I'm going to you know, talk about Jesus. I mean, that's quite overwhelming, right? So ask the Holy Spirit, who is it that I should be focused on at the moment? Or where should I be focused? He might tell you to focus on a certain workmate or um, the cafe owner that you visit. You know, just have a real focus in prayer and in evangelism. You know, Jesus didn't bring all the people that he met to faith in him. He didn't heal all the sick but he was still faithful in completing his mission. So just partner with the Holy Spirit in asking him to identify your mission field, and it'll change from season to season. The second key is to focus on the gospel. You know, we don't have to make the gospel more relevant. It's always relevant. And you know why we have to focus on it? Is it because it has the power to transform lives. We don't, the gospel does. And if you're um, short on time, you know, and you need a verse to share, you can always share John 3, 16. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There are so many resources out there to help you get a couple of sentences together or choose which verses to say. So many resources that uh, enable you to share the gospel in a couple of minutes. And there are also things that you can do over time. You know, this is great in a workplace, is living a consistent Christ-centered life among your workmates. Be an example in conduct and in speech. Don't gossip. You know, this is not about being perfect. It's just about being consistent over time. You know, and you can be a friend and a good listener to someone who's, who's not in your workplace. And again, the Holy Spirit partners with us. He gives us power to share the gospel. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So in those little moments, you know, just before you speak to anybody, always ask for the Holy Spirit's help. The third key is to share your story. People love stories, you know, just like I said before with the faith like potatoes, they just absolutely love it. We've all got a story to tell. It, and no matter how ordinary you think your story is, it's going to relate to somebody. You never know what people might get out of your story. 
Jesus used stories, you know. He used the parables so that people could better understand his instructions and his plans and his love for them. But it's also good to remember people that will only give you a few minutes before they start, you know, their body language starts going like, you know, this person is babbling. So, you know, it's good to get it down to, to uh, two or three minutes. And these questions you can ask yourself, you know, like, what was your life like before you accepted Christ? How has your life changed? How did you receive Christ? You know, just pick one of those questions and, and maybe have a focus on that. And the important thing is to be honest and relatable. People don't want to hear that you're perfect, you know, or anything like that. So those are three things to think about this week, church. You know, it's kind of your homework. Identify your mission field. Focus on the gospel. So know those Bible verses and share your story. Maybe just a little point of your story. So is that good? Turn to someone and say, I'm going to do my homework. Great. You've all said it. You have to do it. So just some more thoughts as we go about sharing our faith. Never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. Billy Graham said, power is, I mean, prayer is crucial in evangelism. No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's Spirit prepares the way. Another thought is to ask good questions. Philip asked the eunuch, you know, when he was walking along the road in Acts, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And Jesus also engaged people this way by asking questions. He said um, to the centurion, he said, shall I come and heal him? Now, that seems odd to ask that because obviously, you know, he was there to get his uh, servants healed. But then that came that response out of the centurion, you know, that amazing response of faith. And you see, good questions engage people, they provoke deeper thinking, and they invite personal response. And I saw this shared on a blog once. It says, I once started an evangelistic conversation with a coworker by simply asking, do you ever think about eternity? And they immediately teared up and said, yes, I think about it all the time. You just never know, right? Don't pretend to have all the answers. You know, nobody likes a know-it-all. And we will run into um, hard questions, right? Like, does God hate homosexuals? You know, what about evolution? Why does a loving God allow these bad things to happen? We're going to run into those questions. And the worst thing I think you can do if you don't know is to make something up on the spot or try to sound good. I think just having humility as we evangelize and saying, I actually don't know, but I'm going to do some research and I'll come back to you. Don't argue with or debate people in person or on social media, please. I was witness to this um, at Christmas time among two family members. They were debating over homosexuality, and I just was like, this is so silly and pointless because when people debate, they've both dug their stakes in the ground, their defenses are up, neither of them is willing to budge, and nobody won, and nobody felt good about it either. Just don't do it. But you know what people can't argue or debate with? It's kindness. It's love. They can't argue with that. So use kindness and good deeds to pave the way as you evangelize. James 2 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And verse 18 says, I will show you my faith by my deeds. You know, we've got good neighbors that happens in this church 
and that encourages us. We know we don't have to wait for good neighbours once a year, but, you know, just be a help to your neighbour, to your co-worker. Offer to pray for them or do something for them. And I think once um, someone has received that kindness from you or, or that um, you've met a need, there's automatically more openness. And you're kind of building that relationship. So we've got like a, oh yeah, it's up already. So those are kind of the key takeaways for today. So prepare so you can share the gospel or tell your story. Be honest and relatable. Don't pretend to have all the answers. Don't argue or debate. Prayer is crucial and that kind actions or meeting needs pave the way. And I want to finish just with one last thing. It's a really great tool another tool that we can use to partner with God in bringing his will to earth, and it's called the power of blessing. It comes from this um, little book. I've read it uh, recently. It's called The Awesome Power of, of Blessing by Richard Brunton. Um, and he just mentions how he said, when speaking with unbelievers, I found that may I bless you or your business, your marriage, is less threatening than can I pray for you. But we have authority to bless people in the name of Jesus, and that authority carries the power of God. And there are many stories in this book that he blesses um, his business, which I'm going to read to you, actually. It blesses um, people's bodies and gets people to bless themselves when they're sick. And there's healings and, and things happen and relationships turn around. So, you know, we know the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so let's align what we say um, with God's word. So I'm going to read you from page 29. It's a really cool little story. Some years ago, I remember taking the time to go early to work to bless my business. I started with God Bless Colmar Brunton. I think that, that's his company. It fell flat. Then I changed, a little timidly at first, from God Bless Colmar Brunton to Colmar Brunton, I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you in Auckland and in the regions. Come Holy Spirit, I release the kingdom of God. I release love and joy, and he, he goes on and I release favor in the marketplace, and I bless our vision, and he goes on to um, keeps praying in that way. And as he felt led, he made a sign of the cross at the entrance and spiritually applied the protection of the blood of Jesus over the business. And he says, from the moment I changed from God bless Colmar Brunton to I bless Colmar Brunton in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God fell. And the results... The atmosphere in the office changed and changed so rapidly that people would openly talk about it and wonder why things were different. Blessing can change our world. But I didn't stop there. This is what he said. In the morning, while the office was empty, when I came to the chair of someone who needed wisdom, I would bless them, laying hands on the chair. Um, I particularly remember a person who habitually blasphemed, that is, he used God's name as an expletive. One morning I laid hands on his chair, binding the spirit of blasphemy in Jesus' name. It took several goes, but eventually the evil spirit behind it had to bow the knee to the greater power, and blasphemy disappeared from the man's workplace vocabulary. How great is that, right? And I know not all of us have the opportunity to pray for an empty workplace in the mornings or anything. You know, often we're going in when people are already there. But we can just use this principle of blessing people and blessing our lives. You can change your world. So see those around us as treasured creations, made in his image and loved unconditionally. You know, if we see people that way, we'll want to share 
the gospel with them. And just before I hand over to Jules, I'm just going to pray for you because, you know, it's not easy to go out and to tell people about Jesus. It takes a bit of boldness and a bit of courage. Um, You can have the worship team up as well. But even Paul, you know, the most bold evangelist, he asked for prayer. In Ephesians 6.19, he said, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. So how much more should we pray for that boldness, right? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, God. You can put your hands out, you know, just or, or anything that you need. We're going to receive boldness this morning. So God, thank you so much that we know you. Thank you that our eternal futures are secure and we rejoice in this. But may our hearts also burn with the words of the Great Commission. I pray that you'd open doors in all areas of our lives. Lord, may you pave the way for conversations we will have. Open doors in our workplaces, Lord, in our schools, in our leisure activities, in our relationships. Lord, make us aware of opportunities to bear witness to your goodness. And Lord, give us boldness. In the name of Jesus, Lord, give us courage to walk through the doors you open and proclaim the hope that we have. And I thank you, Lord, that if we are faithful to open our mouths, you are faithful to give us the words to speak. And if we're faithful to keep planting seeds, you are faithful to water them and make them grow. And Lord, let us not grow weary in doing good. And right now we just receive that boldness. We receive that courage. We thank you that you're partnering with us, Lord. You have not left us alone. And you are eager to do your part as we do our part. And we thank you that fear has to bow at the name of Jesus. And we break off fear. We break off the fear of man. In the name of Jesus, keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord. Thank you that you're for us, Lord. In Jesus' name.